Little honey bees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Dripping black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table, a show dedicated to the people of our region who produce, prepare, and preserve our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell, and that theme song that you just heard was sung and arranged by the talented Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee. And this Mother's Day weekend, we are setting the table with something that comes along every Mother's Day that's such a treat, Tennessee strawberries. I'll share two recipes for a strawberry shortcake. And Fred Sossman shares a little story about Wayne Scott, one of Tennessee's most respected farmers who passed away in 2008. And Mary Dee Constantine, she's the retired food editor for the Knoxville News Sentinel. She's going to share a recipe for easy strawberry jam with us. I'll be sharing a story written and recited by food writer Ronnie Lundy about a treat she used to get in Corbin, Kentucky, drive through strawberry pie. And new to the show, Lisa Rowland of Food History 360, who lives in Johnson City, Tennessee, has a neat segment on Creasy Greens. Plus, I've got a real pretty Mother's Day gospel song by Loretta Lynn and Kitty Wells for those of you that are listening by the radio. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really like your good company. Now let's get started. Let's first join Fred Sossman and hear his segment about strawberry farmer Wayne Scott and Mother's Day. It's the power of old-time advertising. Set up on the side of the road, haul out a sign, announce strawberries. Within minutes, buyers converge. Be the seller Scott's, Thompson's, or anyone with the patience to shepherd a strawberry patch through an unpredictable Tennessee springtime and customers appear out of nowhere. License plates prove the speed of the age-old communication method. Word of mouth sells strawberries. Strawberry passion in southern Appalachia runs deep. Back to the Cherokees. For some of us, thoughts turn to pies with an accent of rhubarb. Others pinch off green caps, cup their hands for errant juice, think to do a quick rinse of the berry, and at about two bites, it's gone. No time even for sugar. Hard to fathom, but I have encountered people who abhor chocolate. I've yet, though, to talk to a soul who failed to appreciate a strawberry. We expect them all spring. May 10th was my mother's birthday. 
It was the line of demarcation between a strawberry-deprived spring and a few weeks of paradise. Nowadays, the expectation kicks in earlier, with hardier varieties backed by solid science from agricultural schools across the country we start scanning roadsides in late April. We may cheat and pick up a South Carolina box of strawberries before then, but call it bias or regional pride, nothing for us beats the yield of some of the world's richest earth, the alluvial deposits along the Nolichucky River in East Tennessee. I walked those fields one crispy cold spring day about a decade ago, alongside a man named Wayne Scott. He read volumes into a tender leaf and an even more vulnerable blossom. He had given up a secure career as a high school agriculture teacher to venture into the risky world of strawberries. His weather charts read like a pilot's log. If there were a strawberry hall of fame, Wayne Scott would be my first nominee. He reshaped the tastes of East Tennesseans. He helped us realize that California berries were a compromise. I'm not sure Wayne Scott ever heard the word locavore or used the phrase farm to table, but he embodied the ideas long before a lot of other folks. I can't eat a strawberry today without thinking of that day near the Nolichucky River or my mother's smile when that first bowl of very lightly sugared strawberries was placed with pride on our Tennessee table. Some years, when the calendar and the season aligned just right, Mother's Day, my mother's birthday, and strawberries occurred on the same day. It was cosmic convergence. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Saussman. Now, Wayne Scott passed away in 2008, but two of his five children, Carol, Steve, and David, are carrying on his work and legacy of the Scott Strawberry and Tomato Farm that Wayne Scott and his wife, Mary Lou, established in 1959. They also grow blueberries and make blueberry preserves made from their own blueberries. Their office, packing house, and Scott's Farm Market are all located in Unicoi, Tennessee, and their motto is, If we didn't grow it, we know who did. They grow a variety of garden vegetables that are picked fresh and delivered straight to the market, and they offer produce, both retail and wholesale. Now, these folks are not paying for me to mention these things. It's just really worth mentioning for the sake of real, live, quality Tennessee farming. Let's hear from the happily retired former food editor of the Knoxville News Sentinel in her easy strawberry jam, Mary D.D. Constantine.
Pick your own signs have been cropping up all over our area announcing the arrival of strawberries. As an added testament to their coming out party are numbers of photos on social media showing line after line of fruit-filled flats and or row after row of homemade strawberry jam. My daughter-in-law puts up strawberry jam each year and she uses the recipe on the Sure Gel package. And each year, my son manages to eat all of it long before the holiday season arrives because, you see, Mama always wants at least one jar of jam for the holidays. This year, my daughter-in-law has put up 89 half-pint jars. Of course, many of her family would love to have a jar, like me, but I'm pretty sure by now my son's got a lock on that cupboard door. If you want to try your hand at making strawberry jam, here's a simple recipe from picktennesseeproducts.org that'll get you started. All you need is two cups of crushed strawberries and four cups of sugar. Combine them in a large bowl, mix well, and let them stand at room temperature for 10 minutes. While those are resting, mix three-fourths cup water in a saucepan with a 1.75 ounce box of powdered fruit pectin. Bring the pectin and the water mixture to a boil over medium-high heat and let it boil for one minute. Then you stir in the crushed strawberry and sugar mixture. Stir that mixture together for about three minutes because you want to make sure that the pectin and the fruit have become well incorporated. Then ladle the mixture into sterilized freezer jars, about uh, four half-pint jars, but you want to leave one half inch of headspace. Seal the jars immediately and let stand at room temperature until the jam is set. And you'll hear that ding, ding, ding. It takes about 24 hours. Then refrigerate the jars and use within a month, or you can freeze it if you'd like. Now, head out to your nearest farm and Get picking. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. And as promised, here's that new segment from Lisa Rowland on Creasy Greens. Hi, I'm Lisa Rowland from Food History 360. Spring is a forager's dream after a long, cold winter. While forest floors are turning green with the soft, billowy leaves of ramps, The sunny fields are being vigorously covered with creasy greens, much to the delight of the honeybees that seem to love their bright yellow flowers. So what the heck are creasy greens, you ask? You might know them as wintercress, the land cousin to watercress, or maybe even as uplandcress. They're part of the mustard family, and like those other cress plants, they have a peppery bite similar to arugula. Unlike rams, which are very finicky about their habitat, creasy greens are happy in almost any setting, growing wild with abandon. Not that long ago, the homesteaders of Appalachia relied on the early spring greens to reinvigorate their diet after a winter of preserved food. The creasy greens are exceptionally high in vitamin A and C. Fast forward to the COVID spring of 2021, and you find that foragers are out in the field with the same anticipation as the first settlers of the mountains, looking for that first tender bunch of creasy greens to break the monotony of isolation cooking. 
The spoon-shaped leaves and yellow flowers are tasty additions to my spring meals. Eaten raw in salads or cooked, prepared like kale or collard greens, or even sautéed like spinach. I usually do my first creasy green forage in the field right outside our farmhouse before I start my seasonal mowing. After that, I forage in the unmowed fields, picking the leaves off of standing plants until they go to seed. As time progresses, the plants do become a little bit more bitter, and that's when I switch from eating them raw to cooking them in a variety of ways. My favorite way to eat them is sautéed after a bit of a parboil, just until the water in the pot begins to turn brown. This serves to temper the bitterness of the late-season leaves. I give the whole mess of greens a good squeeze to remove any excess water, and then I saute them with bacon. Not a lot of salt and pepper is needed, so taste before you season them. And I usually finish it off with a splash of apple cider vinegar and dig in. This is Alan Benton, and you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. And up next, we've got a story about drive-through strawberry pie written and recited by Corbin, Kentucky native, food writer Ronnie Lundy. Ronnie Lundy is a food and music writer whose book Vittles has won two James Beard Awards in 2017. She is a down-to-earth soul from Corbin, Kentucky, and a big fan of bluegrass music. She actually once baked Bill Monroe an apple stack cake after he dared her that he bet she didn't know what one was. A couple of years ago, I went over to her place in North Carolina and recorded her reading some of her stories. And the one we're about to hear comes from her book entitled Butter Beans to Blackberries, Recipes from the Southern Garden, which was printed in 1999. And we are going to hear her story about drive through strawberry pie. Drive-In Strawberry Pie For all my daughter knows, the days before air conditioning may well have been in prehistoric times. I do not begrudge her the pleasure of living in a climate-controlled house or the luxury of driving to and from work in August without once breaking a bead of sweat. But I do believe my daughter has lost something in exchange for the shelter from summer's torpor, a subtle but telling edge of pleasure that marks certain seasonal delights. She can savor the juicy sweetness of the first ripe watermelon of the season, but for me, the beauty of that fruit was also tangled up in the arid ride across Corbin and my Uncle Charlie's hot Buick with the sticky straw seat to the fruit market, which was always dark and a good 10 degrees cooler inside. In the back were galvanized tins filled with melons, frigid water, and big velvety blocks of melting ice. I got to put my arms up to the elbow in the water to pat prospective melons and could dangle my hands there while Charlie and the proprietor pulled a plug to check a prospect. The ride home was as good as air conditioned with my still cold arm pressed against one cheek and the frosty melon full of promise pleasure clutched beside me on the seat. Back home in Louisville, going to the drive-in restaurant was another summer respite. No steamy kitchen for my mother, and hard as it is to imagine now, sitting in the car with windows rolled down under the drive-in's canopy seemed as cool as basking in an ocean breeze. We had burgers, onion rings, and if the temperature was hot enough, 
Cokes with dinner and shakes for dessert, cold enough to give you a headache. But there were also times when dinner was not the destination. Instead, we made the trek simply for pieces of a in-season strawberry pie. Now, with huge, crunchy California strawberries at the grocery year-round, it's hard to remember the heady gluttony of real strawberry season when every night you had ice cream or shortcake and every morning strawberries and cream and the local drive-in restaurants put up signs proclaiming, Yes, we have strawberry pie! That was the siren call to my mother, her best friend Sarah, and my cousin Billy, all of whom loved beyond reason the flaky pastry crust filled with whole crimson tart berries held together in a sweet strawberry gelatin and topped with silky whipped cream. You can get poor imitations of these pies anytime you want now, but I'm here to tell you that the out-of-season strawberries and factory reddened goop that surrounds them don't hold a candle to the real thing. Billy or Sarah would call sometimes in the heat of the day, sometimes late at night, and tell my mother to get ready they were coming by. Billy's son, Rocky, was just my age, and Sarah's boys, Larry and Keith, flanked us on either side by a year. While I love them all, um, they did tend to get a bit rowdy. I was perfect, of course. On the way to the ranch house, the drive-in which made the best strawberry pie in the connoisseur's opinion, the women would balance their fear of embarrassment from wild children with the pure pleasure of eating the pie off a real plate instead of off the paper plate it was served on outside. We would hold our collective breath in the back seat, knowing from experience that a verbal urging from any of us could tip the balance in the wrong direction. Inevitably, though, by the time we got to the turquoise building, they would have decided to go inside if you children can behave. Come on in, it's cool inside, proclaimed a sly blue penguin painted on the glass, exhaling a blast of white icicled air with his invitation. In fact, it was no problem for us to behave. That first blast of arctic air as we stepped through the door stunned us into absolute submission. It was so cold we had to hold our bare legs and shorts up off the plastic seats until they got accustomed to the chill. And then it was pleasure enough just to lean back, basking in the unaccustomed iciness. The pie. The pie was the exquisite capper to the whole experience. We all got frosty glasses of milk and could not fathom why our mothers would opt for hot and bitter coffee. We compared pieces to see who got the largest whole berry, the winner gloating as he or she ate every bite all around that last luscious one. And as long as we could contain ourselves afterwards, the mothers would sit and smoke and talk, letting themselves be smoothed by the chilly pleasure. Uh, but of course, the sugar from the strawberry confection usually took its toll, and like bugs brought back to life from hibernation, we'd begin to squirm and wiggle, pinch and whine, all of which got us evicted from the Garden of Eden in no time. All right, we've just heard a story written and recited by Ronnie Lundy about drive through strawberry pie. Information about Ronnie's work at RonnieLundy.com. That is spelled R-O-N-N-I-L-U-N-D-Y. And now I've got two recipes for strawberry shortcake. Now the first shortcake is from scratch, and the second is for easy shortcakes using Bisquick. And these recipes are also placed on my website, 
where all my other guests and all the events are located, the links for these people. Um, so you don't have to worry about writing it down real fast. That's TennesseeFarmTable.com under that link that says listen to the show. Strawberry Shortcake Recipes. These two recipes come from Elsie Bauer from Simply Recipes. Now the first one is for strawberry shortcakes made from scratch. This will make about nine biscuits. Essentially what you're doing is making a sweet biscuit. Here's your grocery list and all the stuff you'll need. Six cups of strawberries. And please don't buy those California berries. Buy Tennessee berries. They're so much better. One cup plus one-fourth cup heavy cream. Two teaspoons of powdered sugar. Three cups all-purpose flour. One half cup plus three tablespoons white granulated sugar. One cup of milk. Twelve tablespoons unsalted butter. Two teaspoons vanilla extract. Three-fourth teaspoon salt. And one and one-half tablespoons of baking powder. Okay. So you'll want to get three baskets of fresh strawberries, about six cups, and one-half cup white granulated sugar for the strawberries. And this is how you prepare those berries. You know, cut the stems, wash them real well, and then cut the strawberries in half, and then either quarters or thick slices. Put those berries in a large bowl and sprinkle with sugar, and start with about a fourth a cup of sugar, and then add another one-fourth, depending on how sweet your strawberries are. And you just gently stir those strawberries until they're all coated with some sugar. And let those sit at room temperature for about 20 minutes. The berries will begin to soften, and they'll begin to release their juices. After 20 minutes or so, mash about a quarter of the berries in the bowl with a potato masher, and then stir to mix that up. For the whipped cream, you'll want one cup heavy whipping cream, two teaspoons of powdered sugar, two drops of vanilla extract. So you'll whip your cream with an electric mixer, adding a drop or two of vanilla and two teaspoons of powdered sugar. And cover that with plastic and place in a refrigerator to chill after it just starts to form. I've made the mistake of overbeating whipped cream, trying to make homemade whipped cream, and it gets kind of thick and too creamy. So there's a kind of a point where it gets thick, but still able to be spooned onto things, but not too thick. And now here's how you make your biscuits. What you'll need is three cups of the all-purpose flour, three tablespoons sugar, one and a half tablespoons baking powder, three four teaspoons salt, 12 tablespoons unsalted butter, and you cut that into cubes, a cup of milk, one-fourth cup heavy cream, and one and one-half teaspoons of vanilla extract. Put all your dry ingredients in a big bowl and whisk that all really well so you don't have any lumps. Then you want to cut your butter into the flour mixture. Either use your fingers or a pastry cutter or a fork or food processor until the biggest pieces of butter are about the size of a pea. Then stir together the milk and cream. Add the vanilla extract and make a well in the center of your flour mixture and pour that milk mixture into it. And then with a fork or a wooden spoon, mix all that until it's just combined. It should look kind of shaggy and gently knead it by hand a few times to form a loose ball of dough. Don't overwork it. Place that dough on a lightly floured surface and form it into about an 8 inch square, about 3 fourths inch thick. Now place that 
on a parchment or silicone lined baking sheet. Cover it with plastic wrap and chill it for 20 minutes. Then heat your oven to 425. Take that dough from the refrigerator and cut the dough in nine even squares and place them about two inches apart from each other on a baking sheet. And bake these until they're medium golden brown, about 18 to 20 minutes. And when that's done, you just slice that open, put those strawberries on that, and top it with whipped cream. Oh my goodness, it's so good. If you don't want to go through all those steps we just lined out, here's an easier way to make really good strawberry shortcakes using Bisquick. So you prepare your strawberries and your whipped cream, like we said. And for this, you just need two and one-third cups of Bisquick baking mix, three tablespoons butter, melted. You can substitute coconut oil if you want, if you want it vegan. Half cup milk, and you can always put almond milk. Three tablespoons of sugar. So heat your oven to 425. Whisk together the baking mix and sugar in a mixing bowl. And stir in the milk and melted butter until just a soft dough forms, but don't overmix it. Portion out that dough on a greased cookie sheet into about six equal portions. And bake at 425 for 10 to 12 minutes or until golden brown. And um, serve, serve either by breaking it into big chunks or slice them horizontally with a bread knife. And serve with the berries and that whipped cream. And I hope you enjoy your strawberry shortcake. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.